one quick thing to share. I, I always am amazed, although I shouldn't be, at how God works all the little small details out. And a part of our team that we have with us today, uh, one of the ladies here on the third row, uh, she works at a place in Brentwood, Tennessee, and it's called TSC, which is Tractor Supply Company, which is where this baptistry pool came from. <laughs> and what's kind of neat... What's kind of neat is we're here right now on a Sunday morning. Tomorrow morning, Monday morning, there's going to be pictures there showing people that you don't have to just use that for uh, farm and other things, that you can do something far greater, which is see a life changed by representative baptism. So just kind of neat. When we were talking and, and working on this, he said, yeah, we're getting it at TSC. And then we came together and things. So God is even in the small things of life. Did you know that? He does great big things, and that's why we're here today, because we are celebrating a mighty God. When we think about the birthday celebration for this church and, and for this congregation, you, you know, really, it's still all about Him. It, it's still about saying, think about God and who He is and what He's done. And as Garth had shared with me, he said, if you can... Uh, bring a message about celebration. That's what our day is all about. And so I encourage you, if you have your Bible with you, to open up to Psalm chapter 150. And as we are looking at this passage of Scripture today, we are going to be thinking over the next few minutes about celebrating a mighty God. Celebrating a mighty God. And you know He is such a mighty God that whether you're in Springfield, Tennessee... Windsor, Ontario, Canada, it doesn't matter where we are, He is a mighty God. His mightiness and His holiness and nothing about Him changes. And thankfully, He works and moves in our hearts and lives. Again, as we read from Psalm chapter 150, very simply, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. That's, that's what we're about today in celebrating a mighty God. Praise the Lord. Praise God in His sanctuary. Praise Him in His mighty heavens. And then look at verse 2. Praise Him for His acts of power and praise Him for His surpassing greatness. Praise Him with the sounding of the trumpet. Praise Him with the harp and lyre. Praise Him with the tambourine and dancing. Praise Him with the strings and flute. Praise Him with the clash of cymbals and praise Him with resounding cymbals. And verse 6. Let everything that has breath Praise the Lord. And then it says it again. Praise the Lord. That's why we're here. When we begin this passage of Scripture, we're thinking about who we worship. Again, it says to praise the Lord. The Lord God Almighty. The one who is in heaven. The one who created this world by speaking it into existence. The very God who is represented in God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. A triune God who, at the same time, loves us, created us, and gave us His one and only Son out of love. See John 3.16. We think about who we worship, and it's praising the Lord. And yet we also understand that as we praise the Lord, as we become a believer in Jesus Christ, He lives in us through the work of His Holy Spirit. And while the Holy Spirit is in us, we are able on our own to praise and worship God. We can study His Word. We can pray. We can be alone in a room and sing to the Lord. We can be going down the road in my little Ford Escape and just singing to the 
best I can unto God, worshiping Him all by myself. But you know, one of the other things that this scripture says is to praise God in His sanctuary. We come together as a body in Christ. And Jesus said in Matthew chapter 18 and verse 20, where two or three gather in my name, there I am with them. I don't know about you, but I felt God's presence already in the service today. He is here. And when He is here, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise God in His sanctuary. That is who we worship. But verse 2 tells us why we worship. Why we worship. Again, as we're looking at Psalm chapter 150, it says, Praise Him for His acts of power. Praise Him for His surpassing greatness. You see, we come together, and this is why we worship Him, His acts of power, His surpassing greatness. He's a mighty God. When you think about who God is, as represented at one time with Jesus Christ here on this earth, think about how Jesus Christ is a mighty God. You go back to Matthew chapter 8 and verses 23 through 27. Jesus and the disciples were out on a boat. Now keeping in mind, the boat of that day wouldn't have had an engine. It would have had one kind of tattered sail probably to help guide it. A few oars thrown in to help get around. But they were out on a boat and the scripture says that a furious storm came. A big storm. Now down south, we sometimes call that a gully washer. That means, man, it was raining hard. And all of a sudden, the disciples, the Scripture says, they were afraid. They they were thinking, we're about to die because this this storm is so bad. And, And if you look at the Scripture, it's so neat because they go, and Jesus, though, the whole time is asleep in the boat. And they have to wake Him up. And it says that Jesus, He said, you of little faith, why are you so afraid? Then He got up, and rebuked the winds and the waves, and it was completely calm. Now look here. We're talking about Jesus Christ, mighty God, because He was able to look at the wind and the storm and the waves and the danger, and just kind of keep in mind, He had been asleep. It's kind of like, Jesus, wake up, wake up. Guys, what's going on? There's a storm. We're about to die. They said, I got it. You have little faith. Don't be afraid. And nature obeyed him. The winds, the rain, and when the scripture says it was calm, notice it says completely calm. That water was as still as could be. Because Jesus Christ is a mighty God. We read also in the gospel accounts over in Luke chapter 9 about Jesus and the time when he was out teaching the people. And as the day went on, uh, they thought they were finished, but they went along and the people followed along still. And so Jesus began to teach them some more in Luke chapter 9, verses 10 through 17. And he got through preaching and the disciples said, you know, hey, it's getting kind of late in the day. Don't you think maybe you should send them on home? Everybody's going to be hungry. And Jesus kind of looked at them and he said, now, now, hold up, guys. What have you got to feed them? He said, well, there's no stores around here. There's nothing, there's nothing we can really do. So they got looking around and they found this little fellow that had 
five loaves and two fish. And Jesus said, okay, let's take that. And the scripture says that he blessed it and he broke it. And they began to give that out and 5,000 were fed because Jesus Christ is a mighty God. You see, he was able to take what was there and through the blessing of God, it was multiplied. There's a lesson we all need to remember in our lives. Whatever is there, give it to God and let Him multiply it. And so Jesus, the mighty God, was over the physical needs of the people and the food that they needed. We go on to John chapter 11 and we read about Jesus and a man by the name of Lazarus. And Lazarus had been sick and Lazarus' sisters, Mary and Martha, tried to get word for Jesus to come because they thought, you know, if Jesus could just be here, he could heal him and Lazarus would be okay. But the scripture tells us that Jesus stayed behind in Bethany for a little more time and then as he came, they sent word and said, it's too late, Lazarus, he's dead. Scripture even goes on to tell us uh, in the Gospel of John that he had been dead and in the tomb for four days. And they even said that it wouldn't smell too good about that time. Jesus asked him to open the tomb. And he said, Lazarus, come out. And Lazarus came out. You know, I like what one guy said one time. If he wouldn't have said, Lazarus, come out, all the dead people would have come up. Because you know what? He is mighty God. And he was able to speak and Lazarus came out of that tomb. So when we think about why we worship, we praise him for his acts of power. We praise him for his surpassing greatness because when it comes to nature, no problem. When it comes to food and physical needs, no problem. When it comes to death, no problem. You see, we praise him for his acts of a power. And as we think about why we worship Him, you see, we call upon the one who calmed the sea. We're still calling upon the one who fed the 5,000. We're still calling upon the one who raised Lazarus from the dead. You see, we are gathered here to praise the Lord, praise God in His sanctuary because we praise Him for His surpassing greatness. And think about the mighty God who can work in your life and in my life. In Romans 10, 13, we see that He gives salvation and frees us from our sin. Scripture says, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. He is a mighty God who, as we've seen demonstrated today, very, very vividly in those six testimonies, God is still a mighty God who changes the lives of people. We understand in 1 John 1, 9 that it says, If we confess our sins that He is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. He forgives us. Now the Scripture says that we have to confess our sin. We confess with our mouth that we are sinners. But notice that it says that He will not only forgive us of our sins, but the end of 1 John 1.9 says that He will purify us from all unrighteousness. That means any and every sin I've ever committed, God is able to forgive my sin. 
You know, sometimes we come into a place like this and we've come to church today and we kind of think, you know, that looks so really good. I love seeing those people. I, I loved hearing their stories, but... And then we begin to back up and say, but, you know, you don't know what all I've done in my life. You know what? You don't know what all I've done in my life either. But here's the good news. He is faithful. He is just. He will forgive us of our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. So hear me clearly. Jesus Christ, the mighty God, is so great that whatever sin you have committed, His blood can cover it. We think about a mighty God. We think about the fact that He still shields us from Satan's attacks and protects us from the world. You read about Ephesians chapter 6 and in verses 10 through 18, it tells us to put on the full armor of God. Now that armor is a spiritual armor that we put on. The breastplate of righteousness, the helmet of salvation. We understand that the only offensive weapon we have is the sword of the Lord, His Word. And so we go into things and we understand that there are battles and struggles in life today. Well, I just told you something you already knew, didn't you? There are battles. There are struggles. One of the other things that happens when we come into a place like this and come to church on Sunday morning, you know, we all come in, but most of us have a struggle going on in life. And some of the times we think of the struggle in different ways, but let me tell you, some of the times it's a spiritual struggle and a spiritual battle that's taking place. The victory is found in a mighty God, Jesus Christ. Think of Romans chapter 8, verses 31 and 32. What then shall we say in response to this? Listen to this. If God is for us, who can be against us? I need to say that again. If God is for us, who can be against us? He is a mighty God. Don't you get it? He's a mighty God. And if God is for us, who can be against us? And it goes on to say, He who did not spare His own Son, but gave Him up for us all, how will He not also, along with Him, graciously give us all things? Now, I'm not saying name it and claim it, but I am saying that no matter what you're facing, you have a God who is real, who is mighty, and who will go through the storm with you. He's a mighty God. And that is why we worship. When I tell you also that He is a mighty God, and that's why we worship Him, maybe I also need to ask this question. What do you need the mighty God to do in your life? You see, when you come here to the gathering, and you hear Pastor Garth, and you hear these testimonies, and you hear me preach, we're not perfect people. Don't ever think, oh, those people must have it all together. And uh, No, 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 listen. We're just sinners saved by grace. And the same Savior that we have, you can have. And along with that, whatever you're facing in life, the good news is, the mighty God is there to help you. When you experience the mighty God, then you understand why we worship. Because He is awesome. He is sovereign. He is good. He is gracious. See, very quickly this morning we've answered, who do we worship? It's the Lord God. Why do we worship Him? For His acts of power and for His surpassing greatness. 
But very quickly, we also see in this passage of Scripture how we worship. If you begin to let me read one more time those verses, because it's been a few moments since you heard them. But listen to this. Praise Him with the sounding of the trumpet. Praise Him with the harp and lyre. Praise Him with the tambourine and dancing. Praise Him with the strings and flute. Praise Him with the clash of cymbals. Praise Him with resounding cymbals. You want to know how we worship Him? Well, part of it is we have these people up here who are talented, and they come and they worship God, and as they worship God, it leads us to worship God. It's not about the band. It's not about the singers. It's about God. And as we worship, yes, we use the instruments and these people and their voices to, if you will, enhance the worship. But I want you to see something else when we think about how we worship. In verse 6, it says, Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. You see, it's not just the worship team who worships. It's the people of God who worship. And so we come here and we gather together. And I'm going to tell you something a little bit different now. Some of you, when you come in here, you might say, but you know, Brother James, I'm just not the best singer. Listen, I don't know if you saw us on the first song down here, but the one where we're clapping, I don't know if you know this, but well, to put it in a nice way, I'm rhythmically challenged. And so when we're clapping and singing a song, the next thing I know, I'm just clapping my own beat. It's not with everybody else who's clapping. I noticed that. Garth noticed that. <laughs> Thanks, Garth. Same guy who posted a picture of my wife painting and me watching her. But anyway, thanks, Garth. <laughs> but here's the thing. You know, you might say, well, man, I, I can't keep a beat. It's not about keeping a beat. You might even say, well, I can't play an instrument. Oh, it's not just about playing an instrument. Praise God, and we use those things to enhance worship. But listen, it says, let everything that has breath praise the Lord. That's every person who is a believer in Jesus Christ, as long as we have breath, that means as long as we're alive and still here on this earth, praise the Lord. And as we begin to praise Him, understand this, everyone in here is on the praise team. You just may not have known it. You may not have been on the platform, you may not have been playing an instrument, but you're on the praise team of the gathering. Because you're here, and God is here, because where two or three are gathered in my name, there I will be also. And so we're here, and we worship Him. You know, you think about the fact that the Scripture says, let everything that has breath praise the Lord. A little more than a month ago, as we were looking at the Scriptures leading in toward Easter, and we were looking at Luke chapter 19, and what we call the triumphant entry of Jesus into Jerusalem. The people were praising Him. Blessed is He who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna. They were praising God. And the Pharisees looked over and they said, hold up now, this isn't right. They're praising you. What's up with that? And Jesus said, I tell you, if they keep quiet, the stones will cry out. If we don't raise the praise, something else will. We don't want to leave it to the stones. Let's leave it to the rock of Jesus Christ. And let everything that has breath praise the Lord. You see, we praise the Lord today because this is a one-year celebration of the gathering church. 
We praise the Lord today because we have seen His greatness and His mighty power in changed lives. We praise God today in His sanctuary as we gather together as the people of God. And as we are here today, we are celebrating a mighty God. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. If you'll bow your head, I'd like to lead in prayer for just a moment. And the prayer that I'm going to share with you this morning is actually some scripture that Garth shared earlier. But again, with our heads bowed and our eyes closed. The prayer of the Apostle Paul for the church at Ephesus. Dear Lord, I pray that out of your glorious riches, that you may strengthen them with power through your Holy Spirit in their inner beings so that Christ may dwell in their hearts through faith. And Lord, I pray that these people being rooted and established in love may have power, together with all the saints, to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And may we know this love that surpasses knowledge, and we may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now, Lord, we know that you are able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to your power that is at work within us. To you be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. And all God's people said,